and lock them to the jam. Come on and slam. And if you want to jam. Hi folks, welcome and thank you for tuning in to the first episode of After Dark Stories, an extension of Animation After Dark, which covers the behind the scenes of animated films and TV series. I am your host, Mara, and in honor of Space Jam, a new Legacy's July 16th release, I will be covering the making of the film that started it all, Space Jam. Released in 1996, God, does that take me back? The film starred basketball legend Michael Jordan and cartoon legend Bud's Bunny, along with other Looney Tune characters, as they played a game of basketball against the Monstars, an alien race who wants to enslave the Looney Tunes and Michael Jordan for their boss's Mr. Swackhammer's theme park. Known as a cult classic, Space Jam is arguably best remembered for its zany premise, adult humor, dope soundtrack, and legendary cast from Michael Jordan, Wayne Knight, and Bill Murray to the veteran voice actors behind the scene, Billy West, D. Bradley Baker, June Foray, Bob Bergen, Bill Farmer, the list goes on. And whether y'all enjoy the film, ironically or unironically, I feel most can say that it is a treat to watch. Personally, I adore Space Jam, and it has a special place in my heart. I was, and still am, a big Looney Tunes fan. Its video release, VHS, damn, that takes me bad too, was on my birthday, and... The theme song used to play when I used to work at Alamo Draft House when in between show times where we would clean a theater, so it was a pumping good jam. Now, enough with me, Watson Nostalgia. Let's get to the making of Space Jam. Now, in 1993, there was a meeting on a plane between producer slash film director Ivan Reitman who directed Ghostbusters and a Nike executive. The following success of two Nike ads which featured Michael Jordan and Bud's Bunny and some other Looney Tunes characters, uh, they proposed a film idea based on these ads. Warner Brothers later greenlit the this concept after recognizing its successful marketing campaign and renewed interest in the Looney Tune characters. Yet, and within that same year, Jordan had announced his retirement from basketball, which effectively stalled the project. Project, sorry. Much like in the film, Jordan would join minor league baseball, and two years later, he would later triumphantly return to the NBA, and this would resume the film's production. Joe Picca, who, if I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, had previously directed the two Nike ads called Hair Jordan and Aerospace Jordan. He was cho- chosen as the live-action director, whilst Tony Servone, if I mispronounced that last name too, I apologize, was slated as the film's animation director. 
The film had five writers with Pitka doing a script revision. Apparently, um, controversial film director Spike Lee was interested in doing a script revision. However, Warner Brothers was not happy with how he funded Malcolm X, apparently. <laughs> and when it came to casting Space Jam, that turned out to be a challenge in itself. Due to the film's far out premise, most celebs were turned off for the role of Stan, played by Wayne Knight from Seinfeld, Michael's assistant in the movie. Actors Chevy Chase and Michael J. Fox were considered, but Warner Brothers ended up vetoing them. And when it came to the casting of the Looney Tunes, uh, Reitman was very particular on which voices he wanted for the project. Billy West was cast as Bud's Bunny, despite the fact that Jeff Birdman and Greg Burson had previously voiced Bud's in the Nike ads. D. Bradley Baker was cast as but uh, sorry, as Daffy, apparently Joe Lasty, who had mostly played Daffy Duck following Mel Blaine's passing in 1989, was considered. However, after going through months of auditions set up by Wrightman, he um, he reluctantly passed on the role. Although apparently Wrightman was still interested in having him voice Daffy. But it just didn't work out. They planned to have more voice cameos. However, they were only able to secure Danny DeVito as Mr. Swathammer. Interestingly, the role of Mr. Swathammer was supposed to be played by a live-action actor, with Jack Palance and Dennis Hopper being considered up until late production when it was decided that the character would instead be animated. Although, arguably, the most interesting casting choice was none other than Bill Murray. Originally, Bill Murray was intended to appear in only one scene, that being the golf scene, golf course scene. They didn't even know if he was going to show up for filming, as he had a reputation for flating out. However, not only did he show up for filming, but he was also, his role was expanded after he expressed interest in the process of filming live action and also melding in the animated characters. The produ production of Space Jam lasted 19 months with filming taking up 10 months and when it came to animation they were on a time crunch as the crew was only given 8 months to produce 52 minutes of animation. In comparison it typically takes well, at least within a healthy, you know, production period, nine months to a year to produce a 30-minute animated episode. The job was outsourced to 18 studios and included over 700 workers. One of the supervising animators was none other than Bruce W. Smith, who previously directed Baby's Kids and would go on to create The Proud Family. The animation style was reminiscent of Warner Brothers classic animator Bob Clampett style of the Looney Tunes shorts in the 1940s. And while the Looney Tunes characters were modernized, Warner Brothers specifically wanted to add a female character to appeal to the girl crowd. And within that, Lola Bunny was conceived. However, 
throughout the <laughs> throughout the film's production. Damn girl, um, she went through many revisions, including her name. In uh, some point in the production, she was known as Daisy Lou before they settled on Lola. She w- she was originally visioned as more tomboyish and youthful. However, problems arose when McDonald's said that they would refuse to make Happy Meal toys of her for the film if her design remained the same as uh, she was paired with Bud's Bunny, and she and she and she looked too much like a teenager. And they said that. That did not sit well with them morally, which I don't blame them, honestly. So after some more revisions, they eventually saddled on the final version of Lola, which was a more uh, womanly, uh, voluptuous, tall character. And just the right amount of sexy for Warner Brothers. <laughs> While developing Lola, they turned to... Warner Brother classic animators Chuck Jones and Frizz Freelane for advice. However, they were not only indifferent to the character, but they also felt like she would weigh down Bud's Bunny. Needless to say, they did not follow their advice, and thus the introduction of Lola Bunny became one of the film's most iconic attributes while also turning a generation of kids into fucking furries. Jesus. The technical aspect of Space Jam is also impressive. For scenes like in a basketball stadium, Jordan and the other live-action actors filmed on what was known as a virtual set, being one of the first movies to do so, a 360-degree green screen room with motion captures. NBA players and improv actors from the Groundlings troupe wore green suits and served as the Monstars and Looney Tune characters. At this, at the time, the film held a record for a special effects shots. That number being 1,043 in comparison to Independence Day, which was also released that year and had around 700 FX shots. The crew during this time also built a Jor- Michael Jordan a basketball court for him and the other NBA players to use in between filming. Following its wrap in production, the Space Jam premiered on November 15, 1996. The Hollywood premiere was held at the historic Chinese Theater. Unfortunately, the voice actors were not initially invited to the event when Bob Bergen, who played Porky Pig in a film, his agent had called in an attempt to get an invite to the premiere only to be told that the premiere is, all, is for talent only, to which um, the agent replied, well, who do you think I represent? Along those words. They eventually decided, after pulling some teeth, that Billy West and Dee Bradley Baker would be invited to the premiere as a compromise. Bergen was able to attend as Baker's plus one after his wife said it was cool. When they got to the entrance of the premiere, they were directed to the Overflow Theater next door, which only included other Warner Brothers employees and was only half full. 
unfortunately, this type of thing did not happen with the sequel's premiere, as the actors were able to join the red carpet event alongside the other live-action actors, including LeBron James, John Cheadle, and so on. These type of instances make me think on how, fortunately, uh, treatment of voice actors has changed uh, throughout the years. It wasn't until Mel Blaine, um, during either the 1950s or 60s, had actually gotten credit for his work. And that was only as, so they, he, he told them, he's like, well, I'd like to get a raise, but like, no, we're not doing a raise. Like, well, fine, I want credit. And that was the first uh, voice actor's credit. And granted, like you think, like that was only in 1950s or 60s. Like, I think to me that's so bizarre. But nowadays, it seems like, you know, voice actors are getting treated better, which is good because they deserve it. The success of Space Jam was ubiquitous, grossing over $250 million worldwide. The franchise's merchandise um, gardening around $6 billion in revenue and its success prompting another Looney Tunes live-action movie being made, which was the 2003 film Looney Tunes Back in Action, although the, that film did not do well either. Did not do, no, I meant did not do well, not either, sorry. And then it wasn't years up until 2021 when we got the sequel for Space Jam. And with that, we come to the end of the making of Space Jam, a fun mess of a movie that still goes on to entertain fans old and new. And who's to say what will come of Space Jam, a new legacy? Will it be as iconic? Only time will tell. And with that, I say thank you for joining me, and please return on July 30th, where I will be doing a retrospective review of Baby's Kids. And with that, I say, I do believe I can fly. Take care. Bye. <laughs>